Hi, I'm Michelle, and I'm... Wait, am I the straight-laced psychotherapist? I thought I was going to be the unconventional hypnotherapist, and you were going to be the super serious trauma specialist. No, you were going to be the relationship expert. Like, love expert. And you're going to be the specialist who guides people with down-to-earth techniques for transmuting trauma? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay, good. I'll be the love expert. I mean, I am the love expert. I think we have this all sorted out. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light, and this is Holding Ground. Today and every Monday, we've got a little bit of everything for you. Shall we? Yeah, let's do this. Welcome to Holding Ground. My name's Laura Richer. I'm the founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I am here with Michelle Mooney, who is a licensed trauma and couples therapist at Anchor Light Therapy and also the original host of Holding Ground. Michelle, I'm so glad that you're back on today. Good morning to our listeners and super happy to be back on the show. Um, And I just want to remind everyone at Anchor Light Therapy Collective, we offer complimentary consultation to all potential clients who want to discover how therapy might help them achieve their goals. So just go to anchorlighttherapy.com slash get started. So today, Laura, we are discussing the eight types of affairs. Did you realize there's eight I did not realize that there's eight types of affairs, but it does make sense because there's a lot of different reasons why affairs happen. And I think it's a really important topic to share with our listeners today. So I'm glad we're going to dive into all eight. Yes. So yes, there are eight types, but you know what, no matter which one you or your partner engages in, cheating is cheating. Affairs cause deep emotional pain for the other partner failed partnerships overall, feelings of guilt or shame on the affair participant. And when we use that terminology, affair participant, that's the um, person that uh, our partner might be having an affair with. So Laura, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about how affairs happen and how they start? Yeah. So I think it's important to look at an affair in a relationship as a symptom of probably a greater issue. There's some kind of breakdown that has possibly happened in the relationship that needs to be examined. And that doesn't mean that the relationship is an unhappy relationship. Sometimes affairs happen in relationships where the partners are each, you know, for the most part happy. So we're going to go a little bit deeper into that, into that today, but you're, you'll, your marriage could be, or your relationship could be vulnerable to an affair if you are having a lot of conflict, if the relationship is kind of on the rocks, um, if one or both partners do not feel that their emotional needs are being met or they're not being validated at home. I think this is a really common reason why we see people having an affairs is that they, yep. they feel neglected and they're seeking attention from somebody. Um, They could also be the result of resentment and distrust that has built up over years. And, you know, sometimes that distrust might not even be related to fidelity. It could be related to all kinds of different things, parenting, financial responsibility. Um, So this, like I said, with looking at an affair as a symptom, you know, there could be an underlying issue that doesn't even relate to fidelity or sexuality. Um, There could also be just a disconnect with your partner that you have lost your ability to communicate with them, to connect with them emotionally, and that you're starting to look outside of the relationship to have those needs met. 
Yeah, and you know, the common thread here is really that any affair steals energy from your primary relationship and your primary partner. Um, so the first one we're gonna dive into is the emotional affair. And I think a lot of folks have heard of this one. Um, and this is a type of affair that maybe starts out as just a special friendship with a coworker, a neighbor, maybe a parent at one of your child's activities. Um, friendship can morph into something more emotionally intimate over time. And in many cases, it really does. Um, there's actually a survey done by Simply Hired that revealed 50% of female employees and 44% of male employees admitted to having a work spouse at some point. Um, and I think we hear about that one a lot because you know we're working together, we're in the trenches together, we're very close proximity when we are working outside of the home. So it's very easy to develop a relationship with someone that could um, go even further. Um, but, you know, and a lot of times since emotional affairs aren't considered, um, you know, full-blown affairs, let's say. Some people rationalize these because um, they're not engaging in sexual activity. They're just engaging in that emotional connection, that emotional high that they get from emotional affairs. So I think it's important when we think about emotional affairs to realize that they are just as damaging to relationships as uh, physical relationships, sometimes even more so, and that they're different than friendships. And it's great and, and really important that we all have friendships outside of our romantic relationships. But when we're talking about an emotional affair, we're talking about having your emotional needs met or sharing intimacy with somebody outside of your relationship in a way that that might be inappropriate because you might be um, engaging with them in a way that's taking away from the connection you have with your romantic partner. And, you know, I've seen client, a lot of clients actually going through this and there is that rationalization piece, right? But like you said, I, I, and I think some people um, actually think emotional affairs are more damaging because you're connecting in this emotional way. You're having those emotional needs met outside of the relationship. So that's very personal and that's very intimate thing that is happening. And it can be painful to the partner of the person who's engaging in the emotional affair. And it's also a, a uh, indicator that there's work to be done on your relationship. So if you find yourself engaged with in an emotional affair with, with someone outside of your relationship, it's probably good to ask yourself, why am I going outside of my relationship to have this need for intimacy, for emotional intimacy met by somebody else? What is, where is the breakdown in my relationship? And is there something that we can do about that? And of course, as we always recommend here on Holding Ground, engaging in couples therapy can be very helpful in, in repairing damage that's been done to a relationship. Um, it also can be just addressing with your partner where you feel disconnected with them or trying to to re-engage and, and create space for the relationship again. What do you recommend, Michelle, to clients who are going outside of their relationship to have their emotional needs met? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, sometimes working with individuals that are maybe the participant in the emotional affair, um, you know, getting them really to watch their behaviors. Um, so uh, I recently had a client who was engaged in an emotional affair and this particular client, you know, they were getting excited when they were getting text, right? They were sitting next to their spouse while this person that they had this um, emotional affair in the workplace with, they're, you know, it's distracting from 
um, obviously that time with their partner. But I, you know, I have them observe and realize, okay, if you're getting excited when you see an email pop up, right? If you are doing things and you're questioning yourself, because this will happen a lot, we'll, we will question ourselves, right? Is this okay? Um, this is really fun, right? So some people will rationalize it that way. This is really fun. We're just friends because we're not having sex, right? So again, that rationalization piece. Um, but yeah, it really just steals the attention away from your current relationship. So, um, you know, nipping that kind of in the bud with uh, individuals and working on them with, okay, wh why do you feel like this is something that you need? And perhaps do you want to bring your partner in for uh, couples therapy as well, or get the couples therapy elsewhere? Yes. And and in, in this framework of looking at an affair as the symptom of a greater issue, I think it's also important to recognize that if your partner is having an emotional affair, that you also want to look at the relationship and look at your um, you know, interaction with your partner. Are you neglecting your relationship? Have you disconnected from them emotionally? Are you also contributing to there being this, this symptom of, of a problem in the relationship, which is showing up as an emotional affair? And that's not to assign blame to anybody, but to, to try to look at how do we move past this? Because ultimately, if you are in a monogamous relationship, an emotional affair is going to be toxic to your relationship. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Michelle, what is the second type of affair that we can talk about today? So this is um, what we commonly think about when we talk about affairs. This is the one that comes to mind the most. So it's the romantic affair that comes with attachment. Um, so this affair stems from one spouse having an intense attraction to another person. So this can be emotionally, physically, usually it's both. Um, so much that they believe, you know, I've fallen in love. I can't control these emotions. And this type of affair most often includes both physical and that emotional connection piece. So this one is interesting because it seems so cut and dry. If you were having an, a, ro a romantic affair with attachment with your uh, affair partner, that you would think that you, you might just leave and, and start a relationship with that person. However, often that's not the case. And I know you've worked with couples, Michelle, where there was a romantic affair with attachment, but they, they weren't separating. Why do you find that happens? Yeah, well, in particular, one that comes to mind is that this uh, person, they were having this ongoing emotional affair with attachment with somebody for years, actually, and their spouse had no idea. And they were staying in the relationship for common things like, well, financial concerns, right? So if we break up, what do we do with the house? If we break up, what happens to the children? So those type of things. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things like, I want this over here, but I still want my marriage. Um, so that, that can be rocky when you're working with couples. If that participant is not willing to let that affair go, you're not really going to make much progress because then you have a third in the relationship. You have something else that is in your relationship and it's that other person. Yes. And we actually don't work with couples who are, are actively engaged in affairs because there really isn't a lot of progress that can be made, you know, unless you're really wanting to, to end that relationship and commit to working on, on the marriage or the primary relationship. You know, and I, I think you bring up such a good point is a lot of times people will have ongoing affairs for years, but at the same time, don't want to leave their marriages. And that can be for financial reasons, um, children, not wanting to look bad to the other people in their lives. But yep. when these affairs are discovered by their partners, it can be so traumatic and damaging. So if right. you are having a romantic affair with attachment, there's probably some big decisions that you need to make. Um, the therapy can actually help you work through some of that and decide what direction you really want to go. 
exactly. Because if you come into therapy um, for couples therapy, um, it's like you said, it's not going to work, right? So you have to make that decision. I'm ending this outside relationship to focus on my primary relationship. And maybe ask yourself if the stories that you're telling yourselves of why you're not leaving um, or ending the relationship are even true. I have over the years heard a lot of people say, well, it would be very damaging to my children if I was to leave my marriage. So I'm just going to have this relationship on the side so that I don't damage my children. But mm-hmm. often children can be very damaged to discover that their their parent had a long-term ongoing relationship that will feel like a betrayal, not only to the other parent, but to, to the family as a whole. Exactly. And, you know, kids obviously pick up on things, I think, a little bit more than we give them credit for. So they might notice a change in the energy in the house or, you know, start to question, well, why is dad on this longer business trip or or whatever it is? They might be picking up on these things, but you're right. Maybe they don't notice. And then when the news comes out, it's that much more damaging, you know, just like in any relationship, the longer we hide something and then it comes out, right? The blow is just much more great. And for the person who's having the affair, the mental stress of keeping secrets long-term and juggling two lives and trying to keep your story straight is also pretty uh, hard on your mental health. Yeah. It's, it's a second full-time job essentially, right? Because it's, it's not that you're just engaging in another relationship. It's that you're having a plan, right? When am I going to see this person that fits in with my schedule, right? How do I effectively hide this from my partner or my children? So it's just so much work. So exactly. You're right, Laura. It's a lot of mental strain on the uh, affair participant. So let's keep going, Michelle. What is number three? What is the third type of affair that someone could have? So this is an interesting one. Um, It's titled the accidental, in quotes, one night stand. Um, So this is where maybe a partner is out at the bar and they meet someone they think is really interesting and attractive. And then um, their kind of thought process is like, oops. And then we suddenly, um, you know, had sex with one another or made out in the bathroom. But, you know, it was just one time. It was just one time. Right. I I don't like her. You know, it it just happened. Right. I I can't believe I, you know, that this happened. I'm so sorry. Right. But the thing is, it's not accidental. (laughs) You you chose to make those decisions. Right. Whether alcohol or whatever was um, fueled uh, or helped feel that. Right. But, um, you know, again, that's just, you know, one of those, it was the heat of the moment where I was just drunk. Right. We use substances as an excuse a lot for these. Um, so these are really prompted by convenience opportunity. This can happen on business trips a lot. So, um, and it's interesting because with this type of affair, the affair participant wants to stay in their relationship generally, right? This is just one thing they think that just kind of happened on the side. They don't want to have to leave their primary relationship because of it, because they still want that too. Yes. And so this type of an affair, I think of, like you said, there are no um, just oopsies with this, that these are choices that people make. And sometimes they make poor choices because their, um, their, their senses are impaired by substances. However, when I've worked with clients who ha- are working through an accidental or one time, one night stand type of an affair, there's a lot of backstory that usually leads up to that event that there are, there is some resentment. There's something that's happened in the relationship that doesn't have to be related to infidelity, but you know, some upset in the relationship, a breakdown in the relationship. There's something that makes the couple susceptible to this type of behavior. So it doesn't just occur in a vacuum. There is something surrounding an incident like this. 
Right. Initially, exactly. people want to say like, oh, it was just a mistake. I just made a mistake. You know, it didn't mean anything. And and it may not mean anything in the context that they have feelings for the person that they had the one night stand with. Often that person doesn't mean anything to them. But what it does have meaning in terms of why did the relationship get to this point? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think, you know, when we're in healthy relationships, even if I was out and, you know, alcohol was poured on the situation, you, if you really are in a healthy relationship and your needs are being met, right. You, you wouldn't, your mind wouldn't start to go that way. It wouldn't start to kind of plot essentially for that evening in a way of, you know, this person's really attractive. That's kind of thing wouldn't get on your radar that much, right. We, we can appreciate you know, the aesthetics of somebody else without having to engage with them uh, physically. So yeah, you're right. If they're, if the relationship at home is solid, this, this is probably not going to happen. And it, and it could be also a symptom of something else too, that is even outside of the relationship. I mean, I think there's a lot of things to explore here, but somebody who maybe has some sort of past trauma that has them engaged in self acts of self-sabotage could fall victim to something like this. It could be a symptom of something going on in the relationship. But if you are someone who participates in an accidental affair or have a partner who has participated in like a one night stand type of situation, it's really important to explore what led up to it and, and, and do the work to get to the bottom of it so that it doesn't happen again, because it will be hugely detrimental to your relationship. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I think now would be a great time to take a little break. And when we come back, me and Michelle are going to discuss the other five remaining types of affair and what you can do to prevent them from happening. So stay tuned. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Thanks for tuning into our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Runners, to your mark. Set. Some may see a sprinter. At the NFHS, we see a future leader already off to the races. Some may see a volleyball player. Good hit! Way to go, girls! At the NFHS, we see a spike in confidence that will help her achieve her potential. What else do we see? Musicians learning to march to their own beat. We're the NFHS the national leader and advocate for high school athletics and activities in America, helping today's teenagers develop the skills they need to become tomorrow's leaders. And we see it happening in communities across Washington every single day. Learn more about the NFHS commitment to youth at NFHS.org. This message presented by the NFHS, the National Federation of State High School Associations. On the path to good health and well-being? Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. 
Welcome back to Holy Ground here on KKNW. You can find us on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, um, where we have most of these shows posted. Um, So Laura, what is the next type of affair on our list? So the number four is the repeat offender or the sex addicts affair. And so this is somebody who has multiple partners and multiple affairs. Often this can be rooted in having a sexual addiction. Um, This can be someone who is compulsive in their sexual behavior. They never find true fulfillment. So in one sexual partner so that oftentimes they're engaging in risky, risky type behavior or having multiple affairs, cheating on their spouse or romantic partner. And I think sex addiction is interesting because oftentimes people don't understand how that's different than somebody who hasn't has a healthy, normal interest in sex. So a sex addict, isn't just somebody who enjoys sex. How, how would you describe sex addiction as different, Michelle? Yeah, well, when folks are engaging with uh, multiple sexual partners, have sexual addiction, it actually taps into the same part of the brain as if we were to say, um, have addiction to substances or other processes such as overeating, gambling, that sort of thing. So it's the same high, um, which motivates them. And so when we have that high, when we're addicts, we constantly are chasing that, right? We're chasing the next time we can feel that level of pleasure and satisfaction. So just keep chasing. And it's usually with multiple partners, right? And like you said, it's because they never find true fulfillment with one partner, right? Because it's not necessarily about the fulfillment of um, a spouse or a partner. It's this, you know, drive to continue engaging in sexual activity for that chemical high from it. Yes. And so if somebody has an addiction, I think it's important to note that they actually don't typically want to be engaging in that behavior. They don't want right. to hurt their partner. They actually have a compulsion and they they don't have a proper impulse control to be able to stop themselves. And this would be a situation where somebody would really need to seek their own individual treatment to treat their, their addiction, because this is not usually related to this. This one's a little different in that it, this may not be related to a symptom of a problem in the relationship, but more so a problem that this individual has with impulse control. Yeah, exactly. Because oftentimes with this affair, this is another one where um, the affair participant usually doesn't want to leave their primary relationship because it's not about that, right? It's again, chasing this high while wanting to still have that person at home. Yeah. And they may even promise themselves that they'll never do it again. They don't want to hurt their partner. They feel a lot of guilt and shame about hurting their partner. And yet they're not able to stop themselves or they seek out. Oftentimes people with sex addiction will seek out really risky uh, things to do where they might get caught. Um, Maybe like things like engaging with uh, prostitution or inappropriate partners, because it's really about that, that like getting that rush, that, that addiction. So it's, it's, that one's a little bit different. Uh, yeah. In terms yeah, of, because if they that. see, Exactly. Because essentially they see this is this is a source of where I can get this need met, right? So it's opportunity. So if it's, you know, someone totally random, which generally is the case, right? We don't know about that person's sexual health. So that can be a very risky piece. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if we're engaging with sex workers, that can sometimes be risky for different reasons. So it's just, you know, it's really like anyone will do kind of thing after a certain point, as long as I get to have sex. Yeah. So then we come to number five, which is is a little bit 
like the sex addict, but there's, it's a little different because this one is the love addict. So tell our listeners a bit, a little bit about the love addict and the type of an affair a love addict would have. Yeah. Well, this does usually relate to the primary relationship. So they sometimes feel like there's a lack of love in their current marriage. Um, sometimes this person can be questioning whether or not they married the wrong person. You know, they have this uh, drive, this eternal search for the one, right? I need to find that one person. Um, so this one happens more with females um, who are basically indifferent about their marriages, right? They kind of go through the motions. Um, and what happens is with folks who are in a love affair, what they are hooked on is this excitement of being in a new relationship, right? So when we start dating, there's also that high there, that immediate infatuation that a lot of folks sometimes mistake for love. Um, so they keep chasing that, right? So then if they, you know, are having an affair with somebody for a little bit of time, that initial excitement wears off. Well, now I'm going to go ahead and, you know, try to find that with something, someone else. So it's this compulsion and uh, obsession that is centered really on the relationship and not the physical interaction. Action. However, these types of affairs also do involve physical connection um, a lot of the time. And I think it's important to note that when you have somebody who has a love addiction, it doesn't necessarily, even though they're dissatisfied in their current relationship, it doesn't always have something to do with the quality of that relationship. It's that they are always chasing this high that mm -hmm. you're not going to get in a long-term relationship all of the time. So all of the, you know, good uh, adrenaline and hormones and endorphins that we get when we bond with somebody in a new relationship, which you usually get that kind of euphoric, I'm in love high for the first year to 18 months of a relationship is, is going to subside. And, and the quality of the relationship is going to change and there's great things that come with that, that you might have more intimacy, emotional intimacy and a deeper friendship and connection with your romantic partner, but you're not going to have that same emotional, uh, you're not going to be getting high off of your own hormones, basically. And so the person <laughs> who is addicted to that type of high is going to be unsatisfied probably in any relationship because they're going to have the expectation that that is going to sustain over a long period of time when that's just not possible. Right, right. It's really this hook on the excitement, right, of a new relationship, a new person. And yeah, when we they, that person decides, well, you know, this one isn't um, the one either, right? So maybe I'll, you know, start engaging with somebody else. Maybe they're the one. Yeah, but nobody is the one because that high will inevitably wear off wear at some off. point. So yeah. in treating somebody who is a who has affairs because they're a love addict, what kind of, what do you look at with a client who's, who's dealing with that? Yeah. Um, cause you're right again, this, you know, on a very individual level, this is, you know, where we would want to work with an individual first, but before this couple perhaps comes to couples therapy, because it's understanding the root of that. Why is there's eternal search, right? Sometimes that can be, um, fear of overall commitment, right? So if I stay in this relationship, um, long enough, that means that I'm committed to this and that can feel like the person's almost kind of trapped and then they don't get to have that excitement and that high of a new relationship. So really looking at those behaviors in terms of where they come from and working with the root of that, that, you know, the narrative, the story that person is telling themselves that is um, essentially opening up the door for this to happen. Yes. And I would say a lot of times somebody who has love addict behavior is um, 
probably considered an avoidant, avoidant of relationships, that they have an avoidant attachment style, that there's some sort of underlying wound or trauma that causes them unconsciously, they're not intentionally thinking this, to block really real emotional intimacy. And they do that by devaluing their partner once they start to feel like they aren't bringing the excitement that they used to. Right. Yeah. Good point on the uh, avoidant attachment style, because yes, when that wears off, then we push those people away. Right. So, and then we're going to go on to the next one because that doesn't feel as risky, right. As this staying with somebody long-term because then there's that fear of commitment. A lot of times that comes along with it. With the avoidance. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also important to know that people who are avoidant actually do desire deep connected relationships, but are just struggling to be able to have realistic expectations to create those in their lives. And so those are the issues you can all address in, in therapy and work on healing attachment wounds so that you can be in emotionally healthy and securely attached relationships. Yes, exactly. All right, Michelle, number six on the list. What do we got? So this is the screw you or revenge affair. This is the get mad, get evening even affair, which is really the most dangerous because people who are engaging in these affairs have one goal. It's it's not the connection physically or emotionally with the person that they're choosing to have an affair with. It's so their partner finds out. So all of these other ones really, folks don't want their partner to find out, but this one is, that is the goal, right? I wanna show them that I'm desired by somebody else. So this getting even, right? So if they're, partner had an affair, well, I'm going to do the same thing to get back at you. Or maybe you, you know, blew our budget for the month and I'm really mad, or I found out that you were managing finances in a poor way. All right, I'm going to do this to get back at you. So it's really this, essentially the affair is a weapon. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's about making the other spouse, the other partner in that relationship uh, feel pain. So um, again, there's any number of reasons why they might be seeking revenge. And I think the the overall goal with this is when somebody has a revenge affair, they want their partner to feel the pain that they're feeling, whether that's related to an infidelity on the part of their partner or something entirely different. But they're trying to inflict pain because they're in pain and they feel like somehow that pain will be uh, reduced, resolved if their partner can feel the same amount of pain they can. However, this doesn't usually work out very well. It just creates more (laughs) drama and chaos and there's a lot more to be addressed. And then on top of that, then the person who was trying to inflict pain now also has to carry the guilt of their own bad behavior. Exactly. It's, it's obviously not a good situation for anyone involved. And, you know, quick note on that. One of, one of the ways that people really think that, oh, I'm going to get her or him back. I'm going to get that, you know, get them back um, is actually having an affair with uh, that person's family member. So if it's mm-hmm. a sister, um, a mother, right. Uh, you know, sometimes a best friend, somebody who's linked to that other person, because then that wound is going to, you know, be even deeper, right. I'm really going to get you. Yeah. And that really, I mean, there's a really dysfunctional system at play here. If your partner has an affair with your mother, that that is, there's a lot of things that needs to be looked at in that situation. But that does happen. Yeah, (laughs) that does happen. And, um, and those are, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why that can happen. And there's usually some really deep, painful underlying issues that would need to be addressed in situations like that. 
Right. Because if your motivation is to hurt somebody else with your poor behavior, there's something going on at you that you think, okay, I'm hurt. The solution here is this. It, it kind of looks like in communication, that defensive piece, right? So, okay, I'm coming to you and letting you know I did this thing or, you know, and so I'm, I'm going to defend myself by having the same thing back, right? I'm going to, you know, come to war and hit you with a weapon just as hard as you hit me. So if that's your mentality, if that's who you are as a person, there's, there's a definitely individual work to be done as well. And the repercussions of that, because sometimes that's a very impulsive decision that somebody makes. And I've worked with couples where there has been resentment in the relationship and impulsively somebody has an affair, then they, or, you know, or a revenge affair or one night stand, and they immediately regret it. And then the lasting damage takes years to work through. So yeah, yeah. If if it can be worked through. Yeah. And I think somebody, this is the type of person who might be more susceptible to like the accidental or one night stand is that there's a Uh lot of underlying resentment and maybe you pour a little alcohol on that situation and it seems like a good idea or a good way to get even with your partner, but inevitably you will deeply regret it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. Well, I think this is a good time for another quick break. And when we come back, we will finish our list of the eight types of affairs. Um, And thanks for listening to Holding Ground. We'll be right back. Being a teenager is tough. There's the constant pressure to be liked. Endless worrying about college. Cyberbullying, high expectations, all the negativity. There's no question. Being a teenager is tough. And what do Washington's teens do when they want to block out the noise and clear their heads? We play! Research shows that teenagers who participate in high school sports have lower stress levels, more confidence, and greater self-esteem. And then there's the biggest benefit of all. High school sports are fun. Not just fun. They're a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Encourage your teenagers to participate in a sport or activity when they go to high school. They'll stress less and smile more. And they'll be laying the foundation for a happier, healthier future. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association. Thanks for tuning in to our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Folding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Time is funny. Sometimes it seems fast, another time slow. When it comes to time slots remaining on Alternative Talk 1150, time is running out. In fact, there are just a few primetime slots available. So if you want to host your own radio program, the time to call 425-653-1150 is right now. Nope, no time for excuses. Dial 425-653-1150 to find out how affordable it can be to host a radio show. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Holding Ground. My name is Michelle, and I'm here with the founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective, Laura Richard. We just want to remind everyone, if you need to work on relationship issues around affairs or other issues or individual reasons why you're engaging in an affair, you can reach out to us for a 20-minute complimentary consultation. So just go to anchorlighttherapy.com, get started to schedule that with one of us. Um, so we're going to jump right back into our list. Laura, what is next? 
So next we're talking about the cyber affair, and this is a modern uh, version of the affair um, where you may not even know the person that you're having an affair with. This might be someone that you mm-hmm. purely connect with online. Um, and oftentimes people that engage in cyber affairs are engaging in a fantasy. So they're actually connecting to another human somewhere on the other end of whatever device they're communicating through. Um, But they are having a personal relationship with them that often has emotional or sexual overtones, um, even though the person is anonymous. So Mm -hmm. this can come in the form of like online chat, people playing games on their phones where they chat with people or playing video games where they connect with other people. Um, it, It can also even be things that become even more um, intimate, like film, filming sex acts with the webcam where you do actually mm-hmm. see the person. So even though you don't know them personally, you're still connecting with them and seeing them physically. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is another one that is spawned by, you know, not having our needs met. So they're engaging in this behavior to either feel attractive again, to feel interesting again. Um, you know, and like you said, I think there, again, there, the per, other person is anonymous or we're just, you know, we're never going to meet because you, you can connect with somebody anywhere in the world now very easily. So this one prompts that rationalization, that justification. Well, it's just online. I've never met them. So, you know, I, I've never had sex with them. We're just talking, right? We're just playing a game. But again, kind of linked to that emotional affair piece, um, you know, if you're engaging and chatting with somebody or playing a video game, you're, you're getting this kind of intense connection with them because, you know, you, you are continuing to communicate and engage in similar behavior um, where you are communicating. Yeah, and you're creating an emotional or, or sometimes in terms of like webcam, a physical connection with this person. And so while that might seem harmless, I have seen couples that have been deeply hurt by these types of relationships. They've maybe discovered that their partner is talking to someone online um, that in a way that they don't even share with them. And that can feel very painful to the partner. You're also going outside of your relationship to have a need met, which is probably creating a negative impact or a disconnect with the person you are in a relationship with. So even though you haven't met the person in person, the same sort of attachment and and connection can evolve and it can be just as destructive. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause again, ultimately that attention is being placed outside of that primary connection. It's, it's seeking it out somewhere else. And it's interesting, the attachments that can be formed. I've seen people be very, and not even in terms of an affair, but just felt developed deep attachment and connection to people that they only know online. And when those relationships end, or maybe the person discloses that they're actually married or that there's something else going on where they're not available to them for a relationship, even though they've never met that person, they're, they're deeply hurt and disappointed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you're right. The, the, this can really, really damage a relationship, just like any of the other affairs. Um, you know, I think video games is a very popular one at this point because you can you're playing something together, you're strategizing together. So again, you can ra- rationalize. Well, we're just playing a game, but you're you're probably talking more than that. You're probably excited when that person signs on, and then if your partner finds out, you know, oh, I'm going to play video games in the room, but you leave out that piece that. 
I'm doing this with a girl or a guy or whomever that I'm really attracted to, or I'm making this connection with. I mean, again, it's taking that time outside of the relationship to get this need met online. Yeah. And I think the fantasy, especially with cyber relationships, this fantasy element comes into play where you start to maybe idealize somebody or create a fantasy around them because you don't know them. So it's easier to do that. And then that is a way that people can even devalue their partners, like, you know, fantasizing that that this person, you know, maybe talks to me in a certain way or validates me in a certain way that my partner doesn't. And in fact, in real life, that might not be what that person is like. It's a very easy to create a persona online that doesn't really align with who the actual human being is. Yeah. And that fantasy piece is very important too, because that the participant can um, create this persona online, right? We can mm-hmm. say who, whatever we want about our lives. We can, you know, show pictures of someone that maybe isn't even us. So we create this fantasy person in ourselves in an attempt to connect with somebody, right? So they might be looking for this. So I'm going to be that. Yeah. Yeah. And webcam has become more and more of an issue that I've talked to people about in therapy where maybe one partner feels that because this is a fantasy, they're not, they don't really know this person that they're dealing with online, that it can be harmless, but yet they're still essentially engaging in a sex act with that person. They're not physically touching them, but it is, you know, technology makes a lot of things possible these days. And, and that is also very painful to partners that you're, if you don't think your partner would be comfortable with what you're watching you engaging in something, it's probably crossing the line. Yeah. And that's a very good thing to know. If you find yourself trying to hide something, (laughs) you know, it's probably important to you. You probably are realizing this is not okay. And so therefore I have to hide it. And with that webcam piece, I think a lot of times people can uh, justify that as, you know, it's just basically watching porn, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just watching porn. That's okay. That's a normal thing, which it is. It very much is. But you're quite not because you're engaging with that person on your screen, like you said, Laura. Yeah. You know, and you want to talk about what the boundaries are in your relationship. If you're in a relationship where that's okay and that both parties agree that that's that's acceptable, then that's completely fine. But if you're hiding it and you know that your partner would not find that to be acceptable, that's something that you want to address. And then again, with all of these types of affairs that we've talked about, what is the underlying issue? What is the reason why you're seeking sexual attention outside of your relationship or emotional connection outside of your relationship, even if it's just online with somebody that you're never going to meet. Why, why are you not wanting to share that with your partner? That's really the bigger question. Exactly. And and you raise a good point, Laura, that some, some uh, couples uh, have open relationships and these kinds of things, these kind of interactions with other folks are okay, right? Because you've talked about this with your partner, you've set those boundaries, okay, this is something that I'm willing to accept, Um, you know, I want you to have this need met in this way. So the these things that we're talking about, when we put the word affair on it are for committed relationships, um, where you're stepping outside of not not open relationships. Well, and even open relationships, though, there's usually some sort of agreement amongst the partners in polyamorous uh, relationships and ethical non-monogamous relationships. So I think that this could also apply to anything where you're going outside of what the boundaries are in your relationship. So I, I've worked with couples mm-hmm. before who are in open relationships. However, one of the boundaries was not to um, 
engage in outside relationships with friends or, or people that the partner knew. And then when those boundaries are co- crossed, it can be just as painful. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're stepping outside of your um, committed relationship, if you're stepping outside of the boundaries of your open relationship, I've seen that actually um, with a couple who had an open relationship. And one of the boundaries is, is when you're going to engage in sexual activity, tell me, tell me who that person is. And more importantly, use protection when you're engaging in sex. And in this couple, actually, the uh, partner did not use protection when they were with that other person. So while it was okay that they were engaging sexually with somebody else that was a boundary that was violated and um so this couple came to couples therapy yeah and that i mean i think that that can feel as painful as an affair if you have agreed Mm -hmm. upon terms in the relationship that are not being respected so whatever those terms are for you and your relationship that's for you to define um but this is when you go outside of them right yeah Well, Laura, we have one left. One left. So just to recap, if you missed anything, you can always go back and listen um, to the show on the KKNW archives or on our website at anchorlighttherapy.com. But we today have talked about eight types of affairs. And the first one was the emotional affair. Um, this, which is usually doesn't have, which doesn't have a physical component to it, but there is a deep emotional connection between two people that is not appropriate in terms of the boundaries of the romantic relationship. Then we talked about the romantic affair that comes with attachment where one partner is, is cheating and has an emotional attachment to that person. The third one was the accidental or one night stand. And Michelle, what was the fourth one again? Yeah, the love addicts. Yep. We have the sex addict and the love addict. That takes us to four and five. And then number six was the revenge affair. And seven, we just addressed is the online affair. So if you want to go back and listen about any of those affairs, we have all kinds of information for you. And now number eight on the list which I think is probably one of the most common types of uh, types of affairs is the out the door exit strategy affair. So Michelle, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So this type of affair really is for a person that um, wants to end their relationship. They don't know how to approach it. Um, They're not, you know, they, if they feel like, okay, I'm going to talk to my partner about separating, they might not accept it just based on the, you know, maybe the list of things that are going on in the relationship. So then they have an affair, right? It really cements that I'm out the door. Um, It's really your exit strategy. Um, And it's a a way for the affair participant to really start planning mentally and emotionally for themselves, this next next chapter of their life. So when people are in these affairs, they often discuss with their affair partner, we'll be together when it ends with my spouse. That's a very common one. Um, but statistically, these relationships that happen as a result of an affair usually don't make it. Um, the, fo- the folks that participate, you know, they came together over an affair. So this you know, not to say a che- once a cheater, always a cheater, but the likelihood of that happening again is pretty high and those relationships uh, tend not to make it. Yes. And so, and I think actually people who are probably not typically prone to cheating are more likely to engage in this type of affair where the relationship mm-hmm. is over. They're having a trouble for whatever reason, ending the relationship and they're seeking outside of attention that they find in someone else. And 
that kind of solidifies for them that they are going to leave the relationship. I've talked to a lot of clients over the year where, where over the years where it was almost this form of um, just securing that they would actually move forward and leaving. Mm-hmm. They knew if they had cheated on someone that, that it, they wouldn't be able to go back to the relationship. So it was kind of the momentum that they needed to just keep moving forward to end the relationship. But I typically see that people who want to really end their relationships, but are having trouble doing so for whatever reason, they feel, they feel guilt or they feel that they're abandoning their partner will engage in these exit strategy type affairs. Mm -hmm. Have you come across that Michelle? Yeah, absolutely. And so a common reason that this can happen is if, again, you can't whatever for whatever reason bring yourself to ending your relationship if i have this affair maybe you're gonna leave me you're the one who's gonna leave uh the relationship because of this right so it serves a function um on top of maybe the emotional or physical connection you might be making with the other person this is the this is really the function and the motivation there is to end your relationship Yeah. And you know, the reason I think statistically that these relationships don't work out, sometimes they do, um, but often they don't because the affair partner that is being chosen, I mean, when you're trying to end a relationship, you're, you're usually pretty stressed. You're pretty, there's a lot of strong emotions and you're not thinking very clearly. So the person that you might choose as an affair partner is not actually the person, a person that you would want to be with. Um, you might just, just choose them for reasons like they're paying attention to you, or it's convenient for some sort of reason. You're also most likely not ready to be in another relationship that it's just chaotic trying to end one relationship and starting a new relationship can be extremely stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, and also there's a lack of trust sometimes between partners whose relationships begin rooted in an affair. And again, this is not always true. There are exceptions to everything, but as we said, statistically, these relationships don't usually make it. And those are a few reasons why. Yeah. And that's a really good point is where maybe we're not picking the right person when we have all of this other stuff going on. And one reason why we can get attached to these uh, people that we choose to have an affair with is again, that fantasy piece. We kind of put all of the things we're hoping for in a relationship onto this person, right? So maybe they're going to meet this need. We're going to get married at this time, right? You start to develop the story in your head and how this person is actually the one when we know nothing about them. Yeah. And you're probably trying to distract yourself from the emotional pain that you're experiencing from ending your current relationship. So while the exit strategy affair seems like a good idea when people are doing it because they're using it as kind of a coping, self-soothing mechanism, it usually makes things more challenging. And, And why do you think that is, Michelle, that this kind of affair really complicates things? Well, I mean, the ultimate reason is there is no, um, for the person that is the affair participant, the one who's stepping outside the relationship to, with the motivation of ending their relationship, there's not really much work to be done in terms of, you know, couples therapy with that relationship because they want it to end. Now, what we can do in this situation is if you did come to couples therapy, we do help people end their relationships in a healthy way. We do help people plan for co-parenting and that sort of thing. But really this, 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 this one person is already checked out. So it's probably not going to be an opportunity to rekindle what's there. Maybe, um, but probably not. Yeah. And you're just, it, you've already decided you want to really leave the relationship. You're already out the door. You're going to complicate things. Even if you don't 
Um, even if your current partner never knows about the affair, there's a lot of complex feelings that come up of, about guilt and then getting engaged in maybe something new that you're not ready to really participate in yet. Um, yeah. There's just all kinds of reasons why this can make things much more stressful. So mm-hmm. couples therapy, instead of, you know, completely sabotaging the relationship as you leave, you might be able to go to couples therapy to just learn how to break up with someone in an amicable and and healthy way, especially if there's kids involved or there's reasons why you really need to be able to work well together to separate. Exactly. So Laura, to kind of recap on a lot of the things that we've been talking about here and just how relationships uh, can end up in one person or maybe both having an affair, the reminder is that these affairs do not just happen in bad relationships. A lot of the ones that we've talked about today, the affair participant wants to have the affair, but they also want that relationship because there is something there that they really are holding on to and that they want. Um, So they can be entirely happy while also wanting to experience more than one that that one primary relationship has to offer um you know and more often than not again they want to stay in their relationships um that's why they go to extraordinary lengths to cover things up so like we were talking earlier about how this becomes a second you know full-time job you're going to such lengths to cover things up because you do want to protect that primary uh relationship because you are happy in a lot of ways so um just remembering that that usually these affairs are are not something that um, we do to end a relationship except for that last piece that we did talk about however the byproduct often is ending the relationship Yes. And I do think it's also important uh, as couples therapists for us to point out that couples do recover from from mm-hmm. uh, affairs, that, that you can repair your relationship after an affair. And it can take a lot of work and it can be very emotionally painful, but it is possible because as we've said throughout the show, an affair often is the symptom of a deeper issue in a relationship. And once you resolve that issue or identify what it is, whether it's something individual within one person or, or the couple as a whole, there's a lot of work that you can do to, to heal and move forward. So you don't have to just scrap your relationship if an infidelity has occurred. Exactly. All right, Michelle. Well, I think that it's about time for us to wrap up. This has been a great show today. I'm so glad to have you back on with me to co-host Holding Ground. Yes. Thank you. Yes. This was a good show. I hope people found a lot of good content here. So I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, when we think of a fair, maybe only one or two of these comes to mind. There's actually eight types of ways that, you know, our partner can potentially hurt us through these affairs or we're hurting them. Yeah. And just understanding why affairs happen can reduce the stigma and the shame and guilt and and support people in getting help when they need it. Exactly. So if you need couples therapy, individual therapy to work on these issues, you can again contact us at anchorlighttherapy.com slash get started to schedule a consultation with us and uh, get moving on maybe healing some of these things for yourself and for your relationship. Fantastic. Well, thank you for listening to Holding Ground. We'll see you next Monday. Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. We'll see you next week.